Yeah, um, I also would have once said that, I think I actually did used to say that if I'm running, the only reason I'm running is from a bear. Um, but a couple years ago, some of you guys might know Christy Spader, used to be one of our team leaders here. She kind of laughed at me when I said that I maybe one day would want to do a triathlon, and I took that as a personal challenge. Um, and so I said, I'll just do one triathlon. Number one, who says that? But um, number two, I never stopped running after that. So um, yeah, here we are. Uh, yeah, so thanks for letting me be here today, guys. Um, a lot of you don't know me, so, and I don't really know a lot of you, so I thought I would introduce myself a little more and get to know you as well. Um, so, like she said, my name is Emily. Um, I, ooh, where, how does this button work? There we go. I didn't know which, air, I don't know, guys. I didn't know which arrow I was supposed to click. Um, so, yeah, I have two kids. Um, this is Elliot, who is the one screaming, and Judah is the one that looks confused. Um, <laughs> this is them on Halloween, but that is why I don't know a lot of you guys, is because I spent a lot of time with these two. Um, I'm married to Clay, and we, yeah, have been on staff for eight years. And um, so I would love to get to know you guys, and this is the only time-efficient way I have to do this. So on the count of three, I want you all to say your names, okay? Just shout it, and then I'll know all of you. Okay, ready? One, two, three. Jeffrey. Okay, cool. I've met all of you. Great. Perfect. Um, let's get going. So um, like a lot of you guys, I was a student at OU at one point in time. It was probably too long ago to admit. But while I was a student at OU, that's kind of when I learned... Um, how to walk with Jesus, which is what we're talking about tonight. So we're talking about walking with Jesus, which is a continuance of our series. And through this series, we're hoping to get kind of a glimpse of who Jesus is according to the Gospels, which is kind of some of the last books of this Bible, um, and get a glimpse of who he was based on maybe what his friends, the disciples, would have seen. Um, and so also while a student at OU, while I was learning to walk with Jesus, I learned how to pray, and that was really one of the biggest things that I think I learned while I was here, um, how to pray, what to pray for, and I honestly found myself praying for things and just getting them answered, like, all the time. Um, I'd pray for, like, 10 people to show up to the Bible study that I was leading, and, and like, 10 people would just show up. Um, I would pray because I wasn't going to be able to make my rent for a month. And then like the next day, my grandpa called and said, hey, I'm just going to send you $600, which is what I needed to make my rent. And I was like, that's awesome. Thanks, God. Um, just a lot of stuff like that. I became pretty confident in my prayers, um, almost spoiled, like not in a bad way, but just in the way that maybe a really little kid, when they're asking their dad for something, just expects that the answer is going to be what they want to hear. Um, and so it was, it was a really sweet time in my life. So back, or I guess forward, fast forward a little bit. A few years after I graduated from OU, um, Clay and I got married, and we decided to join staff with crew. And all crew staff, like a lot of different missionaries, have to raise their own funds. So like that pays for our salaries and all that stuff. And so we were doing that. We were raising our funds. And I felt really called to start praying to finish raising our support by January 1st. Um, and to give you context, we had started like in August. And so I was like, that's pretty brave, but okay, I'll pray for this. So, and I was just like, yeah, it's going to happen, of course. Um, around the same exact time, some really good friends of ours uh, called us and said, hey, we're having a baby. And I was super excited, like going to Target and starting to like shop at Target for their baby for them level excited. And so I started praying that their baby would be healthy and that mom would be healthy. 
And I just totally expected that that would happen. And then at the same exact time, um, I had a good friend. His name was Ty. Actually, Judah is, his full name is Judah Tyler. He's named after this friend. Um, and he called me, or he had called us a couple years prior and said that he was fighting um, uh, brain cancer. And so I had been praying for about a year and a half that he would be healed. And I was like, yeah, of course, this is going to happen. And it did seem like God was answering a lot of those prayers. So um, I just expected that God would. But then things just kind of went off the rails. You know, January 1st came and went, and we were like 30% of the way to our fundraising goal. And so that was not fun. And then my friend called me and told me that she'd miscarried the baby. And then uh, my friend Ty died. And I was just so confused. Like, I thought that I knew who God was. I thought that I understood God. Um, but I remember just standing beside Ty's casket and weeping and just feeling utterly bewildered. Like, what happened? Um, and so maybe some of you guys have felt the same exact way. And if you have, this passage that we're going to read is going to be really familiar. So... I didn't know that was in there. I'm going the wrong way. Sorry, guys. I told you, I'm not really good with arrows. I have ADD and also some spatial problems, so I really am confused about where these arrows are going. Um, okay, so this is, we're going to be looking at John chapter 11. So if you have this fun Bible, um, you can open it up to, I think it's page 611, which is fun. Um, if you have your phones, you can feel free to pull those out or just read this. Um, but we're going to be looking specifically at verses 1 through 6 and verses 17 through 37. And honestly, it's a pretty long passage, and this is a pretty short meeting, and I want you guys to all go get ice cream. So this is the too long, didn't read version. I don't think that you should treat the Bible this way normally. I think you should all read this whole passage. So that's your homework. Go home, read the whole passage. But TLDR, Jesus's friend Lazarus is really sick. He gets a message from um, someone comes to find him, tells him that Lazarus is really sick. He says, okay, hey, and just like stays put. He doesn't go anywhere. Um, and so Jesus is sitting with his friends when he gets this message, and he says, okay, like, nobody worry. Um, he says, uh, the sickness will not end in death. And so he just sits around for about two days and doesn't go to see his friend. And to give some context, where he was and where, the dis or where Lazarus was sick was not that far of a distance. It's about 15 or 20 miles, so it was only about a day's walk. If he had hustled, he could have been there, like, before dinner. Um, but instead, he did not. You can't really see this here, but he left a girl on read, okay? Like, she, she, gives, this, she gives this message, and he just doesn't come. Um, and I'm making a joke out of this, but it actually would have been really, really awful, right? Like, Mary and Martha, who were really good friends of Jesus, Lazarus was their brother, also a really good friend of Jesus. Um, they knew about Jesus's miracles. Um, they knew what he had done to heal people and help people. And so I'm sure that they thought that, of course, he would come and he'd make this all better. But they wait and they wait and they wait. But Jesus just never comes. And Lazarus gets sicker and he dies and they wrap him up and they put him in a grave and they cry. And I just imagine, this is not what the text says, but I imagine Mary just sitting in the dark by herself, crying, wondering, why did Jesus not come? Why did he not answer me? Why didn't he save Lazarus? Like, does he even love any of us at all? And I have thought those exact same things. Um, and maybe you have thought those things too. And I honestly think that they're pretty reasonable conclusions to draw. 
um, that these two conclusions here are pretty reasonable um, based on, yeah, when God doesn't answer our prayers. So the first one is that God is powerless to answer our prayers, that he just doesn't have the power to do what we ask. And the second conclusion I think we can maybe draw is that God has the power to answer our prayers and chooses, oh, that's wrong, chooses not to because he doesn't care. And we can actually see the people in this passage drawing those exact same conclusions. Um, so in verse 32, this is Mary again, she reaches the place where Jesus was. This is, she kind of ran out to meet him and she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had not, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So translation, you didn't come and he died because of that. And it's kind of clear that you just don't care. Um, and so I kind of feel her pain here in this moment. And then later on, not long after this, there's some more people, and they say, but some of them, so some being some of the crowd that was mourning Lazarus, um, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? So translation, this guy supposedly healed a blind man, could do some really cool stuff, but he couldn't even save his own friend. Does he really have the power that he says he has? And so I think that, again, like I said, these are some pretty reasonable conclusions to draw, but there's more to this story. Um, so we can't stop there. So later on, Jesus, he goes down to the tomb. He wants to see where Lazarus is buried. And Lazarus is like dead, dead. Like this is not like, oh, he fainted. or he, Like he's starting to smell. He's starting to decompose. Um, and so he is super dead. And Jesus calls out and just says like, Lazarus, come on out. And the really crazy thing is that then Lazarus does. Um, he walks out of his grave, and people around him, he actually walks out like wrapped up in his grave clothes. The people around him have to cut him free. This is like insane. This is a crazy story. It literally comes out of his grave. Um, and as a side note, if you're sitting in here tonight and you're not a Christian, or maybe you are a Christian and you're still like, just thinking this story is too crazy to be believed. Um, I would agree with you, it's pretty crazy, but there's some pretty good evidence that this story is actually factual, and so that it wasn't just Lazarus fainting or going into a coma. We really, really don't have time to go into that stuff right now. It would take like an hour, but if you want more, to know, if you want to know more about that, I'd love to get that to you. Um, and so, oops, I missed, I think I missed this slide. That's okay. Um, so anyway, Back to the dead guy who's not dead anymore. Um, so the question we have to ask ourselves here is like, why? Like, why would Jesus do this? This just seems, it almost seems kind of like showy in a way. Like he could have gone and just healed a guy, but instead he waited for him to die and then raise him from the dead. It's a little bit overkill. That, that was not an intended pun. Um, anyway, um, so fortunately we do get an answer to why Jesus did that. Um, and so he says at the end of here, he's praying out loud before asking Jesus or asking Lazarus to come out. He says, I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. So he said that so that the people that were around him um, would know that he was the Messiah. So he waited for Lazarus to die, waited for him to start decomposing and then decided to raise him from the dead so that the people that were around him would believe in him, that he was the person who had come to save the world and redeem the world. See, he had a plan, and he had a purpose, 
and he could only fulfill that plan and that purpose in this specific way. And the thing that's really interesting to me here is that Jesus did answer Mary and Martha's request, right? He answered them, just not in the, the way or the time frame that they were asking, right? And actually what he did answer, or what he did for them was way bigger than what they were asking. See, they were just asking him to come and save Lazarus from physical death. But what he ended up coming and doing is showing them that he was coming to save all of them from soul death, from eternal death. So not just Lazarus, but them and you and me. Jesus did answer, just not in the way or in the time frame that any of them expected. And so to bring this back to us, I believe that God does have power to answer our prayers. He does care about us. The Bible is actually pretty clear about this, but when our prayers go unanswered or we get a no, it can be hard to understand that. And so I think what we have to realize is that there's a bigger story, like what's going on with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. There's a bigger, grander, more amazing story going on. And so in the last book of the Bible, which is Revelation, um, we've learned that Jesus is, well, actually the whole Bible, but Jesus is, we, Jesus is gonna come back, right? He's gonna come back one day. He's gonna make the world right. And in the book of Revelation, it tells us that when he does that, there's gonna be no more pain, no tears, no death, nothing like that. He will answer all of these desperate prayers that we have, but maybe just not in the way or in the time frame that we expect. We might be waiting until he returns to get an answer to some of these prayers that we pray. And to be really clear here, I'm not trying to diminish your pain or invalidate your confusion or your grief that you feel when these prayers go unanswered or you get a no. Um, it's, this is not like a, this is God's plan, let's not talk about it anymore. That grief is valid. And I actually think that the story says that too. Um, so before Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, um, we, they didn't know what was going on, right? Like they were confused, they were in pain, we're on that side of the story right now, right? Um, we have no benefit of knowing how the story is going to end. And on that side of the story, before Lazarus came back to life, before we, they knew what was going on there, even Jesus wept. I thought that was incredible. It's a short sentence. You can miss it. But Jesus wept. It made God sad. He cried. This is as painful for God as it was for everybody else in that situation. So we're on that side of the story right now without the benefit of knowing how all of this is going to end. And so these things, when our prayers don't get answered, they're deeply painful. And I'm not trying to say that it's not. It still honestly guts me to think about my friend Ty and the fact that I'm older than he ever got to be. He never made it to his 27th birthday. I didn't get to introduce him to my kids. I didn't get to do all of these things that I wanted to do. But the one thing that makes all of this kind of pain bearable for me is knowing that Jesus is coming back. Like he came back for Lazarus, he's coming back for you and for me. And when he does, the world is going to be right. It's going to be okay. And I'm going to have an understanding when he comes back that I just lack right now. My prayers are going to be answered. They will, just not in the way or in the time frame that I expected. I'm going to see how raising support for like a year and a half, which was really long, um, works out for my good and God's glory. I'm going to meet my friend's baby, whole and well and alive. 
I'm going to see my friend Ty again. He's going to be healed, and he's going to be healthy and cancer-free. And we're going to understand why these prayers didn't get answered in the way that we expected. So I want to end um, with a quote by a guy who's a lot smarter than me, um, who, uh, that's not what I want to do, who's a lot smarter than me, um, who talked about these same ideas. So his name is C.S. Lewis. Um, he is a philo- well, was a philosophy professor, um, super famous, maybe you've heard of him. Anyway, he married late in life, um, and just a few years after he got married, his wife died. Um, and so like any good philosophy professor, he decided that he was going to um, write an act, basically kind of like an academic study of his own grief. Um, he was going to observe his grief, and so he literally wrote a book called A Grief Observed. Um, and 90% of this book is him just questioning God. Like, why would you take my wife from me? And so towards the very end of this book, he wrote this sentence, or this quote, I guess, um, and says, when I lay these questions before God, I get a special, uh, before God, I get a no answer, but rather a special sort of no answer. It is not the locked door. It is more like a silent, certainly not uncompassionate gaze, as though he shook his head, not in refusal, but waving the question, like, peace, child, you don't understand. We can trust God. He is good, and he is loving, and he is powerful, and he is not ignoring your prayers. You honestly can trust him, and I'm saying that as much for you as for me. And so I just want to say, I want to challenge all of us to trust God, even in those moments when our prayers aren't being answered and we're living in the confusion on the side of the story where Lazarus is dead. So um, let me pray for you guys really fast. God, thank you so much that you are God, that you have the power to save all of us from sin um, and that you are coming back for us. I pray that in the moments in our life when we are confused, when we are hurting and it seems like you're ignoring us, that you're not answering our prayers, that you're letting bad things happen, um, that you would help us to trust you and know that you are good and you are powerful and that, um, yeah, that you are working all things together for our good and your glory. And it's in your name um, we pray. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning into this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180.